Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. J. Will, Zubin, Alan Hahn. In with J. Will and Chris Canty now joins us here, as he will this week. Stepping in, what's happening, CC? Nothing much, man. I had to move a little closer to the microphone today. We had some technical <laughs> difficulties at the top of the last show. We learned these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Chris got very comfortable <laughs> and to a point where he was like, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, you're, well, you're in the middle chair. So People always, at home going, what's he saying? Exactly. exactly. I'm always I'm always Pivoting. on a swivel, but the problem is that this chair is so small I can't quite fit properly. I feel in the it. same way. I feel so the same all way. the issues. Stop it. Dude. What? Stop what? It. I feel the Stop same it. way. It's a small chair. Stop it. Well, Jay, Jay, you're as we say vertically challenged. So I'm not sure how not, you could feel no, the same not way. Not in true American standards. I'm a tall person. I, I was telling the guys six, before. Six one is tall. Six is one is tall. I didn't know that. Uh, you know, I, didn't, I didn't know. My just because you guys my are son's two a giants. teenager. He's six two. He's so six two. First yeah, off, exactly. <laughs> guys are so wrong. I was telling the guys when you coming in. I was like, "There's a picture of me online. I'm looking sitting at next it right to now. Yao Ming, mm. where I'm like, I'm looking at. Him, I'm like, yeah. I now realize why I was the second pick in the draft. <laughs> and I feel like when you come into the table, into the table, I'm like, I now understand why I would never want to be hit by CC. I get no. it. No. No, I, no. I don't want to feel that version of Bobby Boucher attacking me. I don't. Ye- yesterday on our show on Barton Hahn, Bart Scott was discussing the sound that you hear. I wanted to see if, if you could relate. The sound that you hear when you know that you've taken the soul out of a player you just tackled. And he oh, said, yeah. it sounds something like this. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <sighs> and yeah. you can hear that can in hear an NFL bre- game. You can hear that breath come out of a player. <laughs> and as a defensive guy, that's what you live for, right? The right. opportunity to knock knock somebody into next week like to see those snot bubbles coming out of your nose like that's what you're looking for on defense and here's the scary part about defensive players like we don't care if we knock ourselves out trying to knock you out see that's scary yeah, but that's exactly the part like you know what I'm saying like what do you do with that when I'm, somebody you're already has crazy that mentality see I'm making that sound before I even get hit it's like the the, the pre-sound before <laughs> you're the anticipating sound. the hit <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I'm knocked out and then I'm gone <laughs> Yeah, that's that's one of those moments where we don't we, put the picture up. No, 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 the, the picture, picture, the picture will that's be up. Hilarious. Yeah, that will hit on so hit social media eventually. But but Dan Olavsky also, by the way, brought up the fact that he had a moment like that too. Mm-hmm. And when the defensive players got up and he was trying to catch his breath, they were laughing like, "Look at him! Yeah, we got him!" <laughs> he said, "Welcome to the NFL." That's that's what it certainly is about. Well, you know what took our breath away last night? Like that transition, we that. had uh, we had some exciting games on both the men's and women's NCAA tournament. The, on the men's side, you, you had, like, I guess, Houston wins, Baylor wins, the great performances, no controversy. But on the women's side, we oh had some controversy. Boy. So you had UConn ended up winning, which was, this is what you call it, the game of the year, the matchup of the year. Baylor, UConn, we didn't get it earlier in the season, but we, get it, we got it last night, and it lived up to it. A physical game, no doubt about it. UConn comes away with the win, 69-67, to move on to their 13th straight Final Four. However, there was a play late that got everybody's attention. Dijanae Carrington went to the basket, tried to go strong up against two defenders, two Huskies defenders. Looked like a foul, might have been a foul. Baylor's down one. Could you get to the free throw line? No call. Kim Mulkey, the Baylor head coach, had this to say after the game. What did you see when Dijanae drove the ball from where you were standing? What did you see? I was surprised they didn't call a foul. Then write it like that. Mm. You don't need a quote from me. I've got steel shots and video from two angles. One kid hits her in the face and one kid hits her on the elbow. Well, 
write it like that is not necessarily my job. <laughs> Getting your quote, but when I is need your help, job. you're going to help me. That's what you're going to do. Yeah, I mean, a coach. Again, and we talked to 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 Kim earlier. What was it last week? And and I would say the same thing to her. Like, I understand that you're mad in the moment, but my job is to get your quote. I do need your comment, and we did get it. As she mentioned, she had several angles. She feels like uh, a Carrington was hit in the face, hit on the elbow. Should have been a call. It was not. Now, guys, there's always two sides to a story. So Kim Mulkey, not happy about the no call. Gino Oriema, what no call? Take a listen. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But I'd also like to look at all the fouls in the first half where they shot 11 free throws and we shot two. <laughs> so I don't think I'm going to go back and check all those. And I'm not going back and check on the last one. So, you know. A call is a call, and you got to live with it. You know the, the officials are going to make the call they think they they need to make. Passive aggressive was he not? You know I was a little busy <laughs> celebrating. I was I too busy winning it. with the confetti coming down. I couldn't really go back to review the tape because I was, you know, hosting the net around my neck for a Final Four appearance. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so why I, would why would Gino apologize for it though? I don't think he doesn't need to apologize. Yeah. Here's, you know, here's the problem. Okay, I watched the entire game last night. And I'm like, man, this is a really aggressive game. There were a lot of missed calls in mm-hmm. the first half, and Gino was right, right? Like, there were a lot of missed calls, and they went to the free throw line a ton, the Baylor Lady Bears in the first half. And then all of a sudden, I get down to the end of the game, and I, look, did I think it was a foul? Yeah, I thought there was a foul there. It was contact. Uh, there was contact there. Contact, yeah. no contact on the elbow, no contact doubt. on the face. Mm-hmm. But there's been, there was two plays before that when Kristen Williams drove to the rack. She got hacked. The ball goes in. They didn't call it. That should have been an and one. So I'm sitting there saying, okay, you're you're letting the players play. But what happens in the microcosm of social media, the world that we live in, people don't watch entire games. You know what people do? People watch clips. Mm -hmm. People watch pictures. Like, it's the same way, CeCe, that we can say something on our show, and then all of a sudden – Two hours later, you can say the same exact thing on Get Up, and it's not even in full context. It's a little bit of a clip, right? And that clip goes viral. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, that viral clip is what you say for the day. What you said in our show doesn't matter. doesn't matter that you gave context. We don't care about context. <laughs> we just want that short-sighted moment where you, you say something provocative, right? It makes the people go crazy, provocative, right? And that's what happened last night. And then people start tweeting about it. And I understand LeBron James tweets about it. Former players tweet about it. And then all of a sudden, it's a really big story. Where were you tweeting throughout the whole course of the game, people? Tweet throughout the whole course of the game because it's been a horrible call at officiating session throughout the entire game, just not that one moment. Well, yeah, you don't want to let facts get in the way of a good argument, and everybody <laughs> exactly. wants to say that that one no call was what determined the game. But I think when you have an inflection point like that in the game, when it comes down to the final play and you have as much contact as you did, that's a hard one to understand in terms of why the officials swallowed the whistle. Like that's one of those where you took an opportunity away from Baylor to potentially tie that game up. And I just feel like that's taking a chance away from those girls after you've worked the entire year to get to that point in your season. It wasn't just LeBron James that tweeted. It was Fran Fischella who also tweeted, and that caused a little bit of controversy, his reaction to it. And after he tweeted about how the officials didn't want to be part of deciding the game, he went with Freddie and Fitzsimmons and explained what he meant about the officials not wanting to make a call there. Take a listen to this. 
by and large, these officials do a great job. That's how they advance in a tournament. But there, I've seen on occasion, I've seen it this year, that there are some, I believe that there's just a old school mentality of not wanting to be involved in an upset. And you don't want to be responsible for the upset. And to me, that's not great officiating. To me, you have to blow the whistle, call what you see. Maybe they didn't see it. One official was out of position on the baseline. He should have been over by where the shot was taken. He wasn't. But you just have to make that call. I don't care what, what basketball basketball game you play in November or March, men, women, it doesn't matter. An egregious foul has to be called at a crucial time of the game. Here's the problem, and I agree with Fran. I I think, look, a lot of calls should have been made last night. If you watch the last play where Carrington is going towards the baseline, go back and review the tape. Look at the baseline referee. The baseline referee is not in position. He should be way over towards the E in the Elite Eight. The first word, elite, so he can see that play. The other ref on the sideline is behind the play. If you were on the E of the elite, you would see that both players, you're supposed to go vertical, Alan, when you go up to challenge a shot, right? Both arms up in the air, vertical. Both players are leaning over on a 45 degree, but the referee, due to his position on the baseline, cannot see it. He's out of position. That's a major problem. So what you're saying is he's got the best seat in the house. Yes. He's watching the game. And he's not even utilizing. Exactly. Yeah. See, I can't buy the referee not being in position, especially when you start talking about the championship rounds of any sport. Like, how could you not be in position to be able to make that call, to not have the angle, to make sure that you see whether or not there was significant contact that impeded the shot of Dejanay Carrington? Like, that's something that's, that's unacceptable. Like, if I was Kim Mulkey, that's what I would have a huge issue with, the ref not being in position to actually make the call. Now, I believe that official, though, is watching for any activity in the paint on that angle. It's the foreground official who you see right there in the front part of the screen that is watching the play carefully – there's zero excuse for not seeing contact there. The arms are all together up in the air when she does make her move to the basket, and the, both players do lean forward. That foreground, the, 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 the official in the foreground of the shot, that's the official should be making that call. The baseline official is watching box outs, push-offs, any of that stuff happening. It's, you're not going to see it. We'll watch it one more time. You see the official right there in the foreground watching the play carefully and just lets it go. But can I, Simple can as that. Can I, can I lets also, it go. It, it, officiating should have been better. They should have been in the right position. Do we want that? They should have made that call. But here's my one problem with with Coach Mulkey, and I love her. She's a legendary coach. But where I disagree is they didn't execute multiple times down the floor before that moment. Mm. right? And and the one thing that we're always taught – as a player, CC, I'm sure you've heard. Don't this too. let it up to the officials. Don't let Don't it come le- down to the officials making a call. Coaches Don't let always them do it. preach that, man. They always preach that from the player position. So then, all of a sudden, when you're in that moment, you can't then all of a sudden say, "Well, you should have made that call." It just, it's it's not the right way we've been teaching the game. Look, you had a 10 point lead, gave up a 19 0 run, made come it on, a man. game, win that game, the pockets of the game. Look, it was a great game. It's two rivals, and obviously both coaches had different takes on it. And I had to laugh at. <laughs> Gino or a mistake uh, on that as well. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know what you're talking about. It's too busy, you know, <laughs> with continue, the confetti coming down. Continue to move forward, <laughs> no doubt about that. Keyshawn, J. Will Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Chris Canny, Alan Hahn with J. Will. And we also coming to you live, high above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. So we'll hear much more from Kim Mulkey, maybe more than we wanted to hear, and how she's channeling her inner Davo Sweeney. Wait till you hear this take. Keyshawn, J. Will Zubin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. 
Riley in South Carolina, you're on ESPN Radio. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Hey, day one, listen to man. I'm a big fan. Hey, Jay, I appreciate your football acumen. Hey, Zubin, you the man. Key, I appreciate you and you down there in Carolina, too, baby. I appreciate that. More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin next. To Z. There you go. CJ likes it. There's the rhythm. Hey, There's the rhythm. Because that's not Clash. There you go. That's not Clash. That's why. Tell, tell Chris what you think the Clash sounds like. I feel like, by the way, you just said it. The Clash. <laughs> the Clash. It feels like that's something you don't want to, like, hey, what are you doing tonight? I mean, I ain't, I ain't trying to go nowhere. I got, I got the Clash, man. I ain't trying <laughs> you got to the Clash. <laughs> the Clash doesn't sound like wow. something that Doctor ruined your weekend. That's, that's, man, that's all bad. I ain't trying to go that's nowhere. All bad. Yeah, I'm heading to Walgreens right now. KJZ, Alan Hahn, Chris Candy, kicking it with Jay Will, ESPN fans Radio. Of the Clash, I'm just saying it doesn't. I'm a big fan of the Clash. It's all right. I'm making fun of it. I'll let you do I've it. I never too. heard of the Clash before yesterday. Thank you. Never even heard of it. Thank you. You guys are too young. Clearly, I'll leave it there. <laughs> it ain't cultural. It's just age. It's generation. That feels more cultural. It feels more cultural. We had we had Monica McNutt on the show yesterday, and she didn't know him. She either. was like born five I'm years just, ago. I'm just saying. Like I'm just saying. <laughs> all right. Let's get A to Z going here. So we just talked about the UConn-Baylor women's game, women's uh, NCAA game last night that had the controversial ending. And Baylor coach Kim Mulkey decided that if the media wanted to get a – well, you write what you saw, okay, fine. But it's better that we quote the coach on these things because nobody cares what I think of this stuff. But then there's times where you're like, all right, that's too much quote, coach. That's way too much quote. So after getting over the loss and everything else now as – this tournament was to the final four. Kim Mulkey decided that she has an idea for the remaining four teams in the tournament. Take a listen. I don't think my words will matter. After the games today and tomorrow, there's four teams left, I think, on the men's side and the women's side. They need to dump the COVID testing. Wouldn't it be a shame to keep COVID testing and then you've got kids that end up having test positive or something and they don't get to play in the final four? So... You need to just forget the, sh- the, the the COVID test and let the four teams that are playing in each Final Four go battle it out. Uh, have we heard this before from a championship coach? Let's go back to April and and Dabo Swinney and this moment, shall we? I mean, we've stormed the beaches of Normandy. We've sent people. To, we've sent a, a a car and drove around on Mars. We've walked on the moon. This is the greatest country and the greatest people in the history of the planet. Let's go play. Best case scenario. And I, I, I think that's what's going to happen. We're going to kick this thing right in the teeth. <laughs> it is PR. We're wow. going to punch COVID is, right in the face. Wow. PR nightmares. Yikes. But you, know I, what, you know what I don't understand, Jay? Is that they have media training for all of these college and pro athletes. You would think that they would have that for some of the coaches as well. Now, now I understand about, some, about, because they're so tone deaf when they make comments like that. And how about Coach Mulkey? Yeah. Like, and I love Coach Mulkey, but what the hell is she talking about? She says before she says that, you know, my words are probably not going to matter here. Oh, yes, they do. You're well, one wait, of the most visible what, coaches in the sport. Why, why would you? By the way, think about tonality. You just lost to UConn. Coach Gino in one of the most sought-after games in all of women's basketball this year. Yeah. You're going to use that time to say that? Well, there's also the fact that she herself had COVID. 
After contact with a family member who tested positive around Christmas, remember Baylor didn't play for a little Gino bit. had it as well. And, and he certainly did. But the idea that, of course, what really is the most misguided thing of this whole thing is wouldn't it be bad if somebody tested positive and couldn't play? No, no, it would be bad if someone tested positive, played, and then other people then got it. And the Final Four, suddenly the story wasn't about women's basketball and what a great championship, but instead it became a super spreader event. I, Why I, would you want something like that so that somebody could play? This whole year has been about controlling every environment you can so the kids can play. That's what this has been about. I understand her passion for not wanting to have somebody lose out on the opportunity to play. But it was just a very bizarre thing to say, and you can only hope that it was after a loss and kind of frustrated and not really, you know, I'm sure she will now have a follow-up statement to clear her thoughts written by a PR person. Here's what I just don't get. It's a complete lack of awareness from her, and you would think a year into the pandemic she would realize it's not just about you and your players and who's in your sphere. It's about your impact on everybody else around you, like the public health interest. And so to your point, like to not test, to disregard all the protocols, and then to potentially infect players from other teams and the people that are around them, that's, that's selfish. Like you have to have these things in place to make sure that you protect the interests of everybody that's competing in the event. It's absolutely ridiculous to, to suggest otherwise. Now, again, but, I mean, again, just, just by definition, they're in a bubble. You shouldn't have any positive tests in the bubble at this point. You've been in the bubble long enough that there has not been or should not be any exposure to anybody from the outside, right? They can't, they can't see their families. They can't have contact with anyone outside of their bubble. So in reality, there shouldn't be any positive tests. So the testing shouldn't be an issue. I, I just left that presser last night after hearing that sound. Just very disappointed in Kim Mulkey. Yeah. Like, you know, when you look at coaches – we put coaches on this pedestal to be leader of young adults, leaders of young adults. And when you have coaches that say things like that, even after a loss, especially after a loss, that's when your words need to be measured, measured. So I, I, I just, hmm, that, that, that rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to stop testing, of course, that's just because Kim Mulkey said so, but it just was one of those moments where, again, the PR person was probably like, oh, God. <laughs> Let's just enough. talk about celebrating the women's game instead yeah. of saying, hey, these exactly. are all the things. Let's say thank you for all the sacrifices being made in order for us to have a tournament instead of saying let's throw everything out the window now just so we can get back to what normal used to be. Normal will be different moving forward, people. It will right. be a different type of normal. Yeah, we didn't need any more Dabo Swinney, that's for sure. Punch COVID in the face. We stormed Normandy. I, I still don't understand why we always bring up Normandy when it comes to Things that we can do as a country. Yeah, I don't know why Dabo wrote that into the conversation about whether or not they should play in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's go to another Just story. In NFL, yeah, and the NFL. So Hugh Jackson, who by the way was three thirty six and one in two plus years with the Browns, he now is saying that he was lied to by ownership in Cleveland when he was hired. This is from ESPN eight fifty in Cleveland. Hugh Jackson former coach of the Browns, on being a scapegoat. Take a listen. That was the narrative. I mean, I think I was put out in front of it. I was the one that talked about it each and every day. I think people associated everything that was going on with me. It's like being at home, right? I mean, the things that happen in in private never really gets talked about. But the things that the public sees is what they really feel is going on. And sometimes they don't have a clue as to how you got there. 
He's talking about, of course, the uh, the experiment that they had for two seasons with football and analytics. He thought they were going to be hand in hand. Instead, he felt like one was put up against the other. He's saying this because he's, of course, writing a book. But Chris, how much do you, how much credibility do you put into this claim? Not a lot because Hugh Jackson's got to understand who's doing the hiring. I mean, when he was given the job or offered the job by the Cleveland Browns, it was Paul DePodesta who was the top executive in that organization. And before that moment, Paul DePodesta wasn't a football guy. Yeah, baseball. He was a baseball guy. Right. I mean, he cut his teeth with the Cleveland Indians and the Oakland A's, and you know they made a movie about what him and Billy Bean did out in Oakland with Moneyball. So, I mean, you know that they're going to take an analytics approach. And at that point in the NFL, that wasn't something that was big in terms of program building and roster building. And so this was a little bit of a risk. This was a little bit of a flyer. But being in Hugh Jackson's situation, already being the head coach one place and failing previously, like he realized he wasn't going to have a whole lot of opportunities. And so he decided that he was going to roll the dice with this new regime, with this fresh approach. And it didn't work out for him. Now, in terms of Cleveland having the assets and being able to add talent to the roster, it eventually got turned around for that team. But Hugh Jackson wasn't around to see the benefits of it. And now it sounds like a little bit of sour grapes with him coming out and making that statement. It's like in Philly when when Brett Brown was hired and and Sam Hickey was just basically going through the process of just losing and collecting draft picks and Brett Brown just took loss after loss. The difference is is that all the, the horrible records that they had those first couple of years, they stuck with Brett Brown. This was different. They let Hugh Jackson go. There are a lot of times in life where life is black or white, right, right or wrong. And there are also a lot of times in life where the water's murky, right? Things are confusing. There's a lot of misdirection going on. You have no idea whether you're coming or going. This reminds me a little bit of the latter, right? I think it's a combination of that. Um, and I will say this. I, I think there is truth. I do look forward to reading Hugh Jackson's book. I think it will be interesting, especially now where the Cleveland Browns are as an organization. But I'm going to say this. He made a statement here that is very reminiscent of what I've been saying about David Culley, the head coach for the Houston Texans. He was put at the forefront of a lot of situations where he had to talk in front of a microphone every day about scenarios in which other executives were able to hide behind. Mm -hmm. Right, CeCe? Like when your executives are not speaking and they're leaving everything to speculation from the media, yet your head coach is in the position trying to explain everything, that puts the coach in the bind. What are we seeing happening right now with David Culley and the Houston Texans? It's been the same thing. You know, we, we didn't see the general manager up there on a podcast speaking about the scenario happening with Deshaun Watson. We're just seeing David Culley up there trying to answer questions to, to scenarios that he has no idea what he's talking about. He's just trying to tread water to see how do we handle the situation. And it, look, it's a reality of the nature of the business. Mm. There are a lot of scapegoats that are available. And sometimes it happens for guys that are trying to break into different teams and organizations. Yeah. I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that makes Hugh Jackson right or wrong. No, he could be wrong a lot. But you're right there though. Yeah. It, it's you took he took that job because it was his first and best opportunity. And yep. you, you don't want to turn down opportunities, especially again, minority hires in the NFL is a big story. So when an opportunity comes up for a black coach, you almost want to take it. David Culley in that same position with Houston. And, and Chris, like do you do you say Hugh Jackson just shouldn't have taken the job? It was it was too volatile of a situation. But how did he know he was going to get another opportunity? Well, he doesn't know that he was going to get another opportunity. But, but that's my point. But, but, that, but that's yeah. my point, though. Like, if you take this job knowing what they're going to do with that approach, knowing that it's going to be analytics and being able to stockpile draft picks in order to get the draft capital to figure out quarterback and all the other critical positions, 
then you're signing up to be a team that's not going to do a whole lot of winning in the first couple of years of your tenure. So if you're Hugh Jackson, it's a matter of do you have the confidence, do you have the trust that the organization is going to stick with you and stick with the overall direction? And based on the Cleveland Browns track record under Jimmy Haslam, Mm. there was no reason to have that belief. So if you're Hugh Jackson's who spent a lot of time in the AFC North, you should know better. Just like if you're Dave Culley and you hear Deshaun Watson come out and say, I'm not playing for the Houston Texans anymore because I have an issue with ownership. You should probably know better. And the fact that he did take that job, he's going to have to deal with the struggles that come along with this ambiguity around the Deshaun Watson situation. That's the price you pay for life-changing money, though. Life-changing money. That's the price you pay sometimes. Decisions based on money, right? Well, again, easier, easy to say, shouldn't have taken that job, don't take the money, when, again, opportunity's there and you want to take it, no doubt about it. That was A to Z. A lot of fun is always. All money ain't good money. <laughs> I haven't learned that yet. KJZ, <laughs> presented by Progressive Insurance. Alan Hawk, Chris Kenny, kicking it with Jay Will. You could save big when you... Bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. All right, so Jimmy G was one pass away from 49ers history, from 49ers, how close they were. And now they're trying to find somebody that will now take him away, remove them from from their history, remove him from their history. I'll get this right. You got it. That's coming up after SportsCenter. seconds left back to Carrington six seconds left Carrington on the drive Carrington forces it up no rebound UConn and with four tenths of a second left Williams is fouled that was Ryan Rucco on the call ESPN and some controversy at the end of what was a classic UConn beating Baylor in a controversial 69-67 finish as UConn advances to their 13th straight final four Dijanae Carrington appeared to be fouled by two Huskies in the final seconds with Baylor down one, but there was no call. The win was UConn's 125th at the NCAA tournament. It's one shy from tying Tennessee for most wins all time in women's tournament history. Paige Beckers, a game high, 28 points. She has scored 563 points this season, third most by a freshman in UConn history. In the men's tournament, two-seeded Houston, and one seed Baylor both earned spots into the final four. Houston defeated 12 seeded Oregon State 67 61 in the Midwest region. Top seeded Baylor defeated third seed Arkansas 81 72 in the South region. Baylor and Houston both, both winning sets up just the fifth final four meeting between teams from the same state. Baylor went 70 seasons between final four appearances. 1950 was their last one. Only Oregon has ever gone more seasons between Final Four appearances. More Deshaun Watson news, and it's not good. Three new lawsuits accused the Texans quarterback of sexual assault and inappropriate conduct. Those were filed on Sunday night and includes one claim that he is deleting Instagram messages and contacting the women involved in the cases. Now, on Monday... Watson's attorney, Rusty Harden, said in a statement that Watson is has not deleted any Instagram messages over the last two weeks and categorically denied that his client contacted any of the women directly. Three new lawsuits, all of which accuse Watson of sexually assaulting women during massage sessions, bring the total number of lawsuits filed against Watson to 19. Also on Monday, Sports Illustrated published an account 
from a Houston massage therapist who said Watson displayed inappropriate conduct when she massaged him. The woman has not filed a lawsuit against Watson, but told SI she's speaking out because she wants, quote, a genuine apology, end quote, from Watson. Sports Center brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Spend your tax return wisely with Straight Talk Wireless. You can get the Samsung Galaxy A51 for $199. Plus, get the $45 unlimited talk, text, and data plan with no contract on America's Best Networks for up to 50% less. Tune out the nonsense. Tune in to Straight Talk. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. KJZ ESPN Radio, Jay Will here, Alan Hahn, Chris Canny kicking it with him. And let's go to the Goodyear hotline. Dan Graziano joins us, our ESPN NFL insider. And Dan, I, I know what John Lynch said. I, I know what Kyle Shanahan said, and he said it very quickly. But we don't believe anything that anybody says this time of year. So we believe you, though, Dan. So if you could tell us what their plan is for Jimmy G, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, you know, th- th- those two guys were pretty straightforward and honest yesterday in, in the context of a- they-, they run an NFL team and it's draft season, so you're used to But they, they-, they were pretty uh, forthright. And look, their plan with Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty much what they said it was, is to keep him until such time as they feel like whichever quarterback they draft is ready to be a guy that can help them win. They intend to contend uh, and make the playoffs and contend for the Super Bowl this year. And right now, their belief is that Jimmy Garoppolo, as long as he's healthy enough to be on the field, gives them the best chance to do that. Now, if they draft a guy at number three, and by training camp or by September, October, they feel like that guy is capable of playing and leading them to where they want to go, then I think Jimmy Garoppolo becomes available, right? So whether that's in training camp, whether that's at the trade deadline, I do think that eventually they move on and try and get something for him. But as of now, what they're saying yesterday holds true. They're going to draft a rookie, and it's entirely possible that that rookie won't be the guy they need to put in to, to make them the team they want to be this year just by virtue of him being a rookie. 
Dan, we had we had Mike Tannenbaum on the first hour, and he believes that they are going to select Mac Jones because they are attending his pro day. Uh, but I was curious to get your opinion. What, what are you hearing around the league about who they're going to select? Because we've known John Lynch to kind of you know misdirect us and misguide mm-hmm. us before. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I I think what I've been saying is I think it's fair for us to read something into the fact that Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are going to be at the Alabama pro day today, as opposed to one of them going there and the other going to Ohio State. But Shanahan said yesterday that Justin Fields will do another workout that they will attend. So uh, I don't think it's 100% sure yet that we can, we can assume that it's going to be Jones over, over Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I, I think at this point, I, I, I don't personally know who they're going to take. Uh, I think the Niners, I think they know who they would take if the draft were tonight. But I think they're also they, they want to use the next few weeks, the next thirty days, uh, to gather information and maybe um, you know make sure that they're making the right choice. Dan, right after this trade was reported with the Niners and the Dolphins, it came out that the 49ers didn't have any communication with the Jets at two. I think everybody's assuming that that means that the Jets are going to take a quarterback uh, in, in the draft. Does that mean that the Jets are all in on Zach Wilson? What are you hearing about what the Jets are going to do at number two? Well, what you hear is that, that there's a lot of belief around the league that the Jets will take Zach Wilson at number two. I mean, if you're the 49ers offering that three first-round picks and a third-round pick to trade up to, to number three to get a quarterback, certainly you, you check in uh, on the one pick and the two pick. But I, I think those conversations were pretty short from what I understand, and they never really had full-fledged trade talks with those teams uh, about those picks. So, uh, that indicates strongly that the Jets are planning to stay put uh, and take Zach Wilson. Because if, if you won't even hear a call about three first-round picks and a third-round pick, that means you're, you're staying put uh, at the two. So I, I think there's a strong belief that the Jets are, are staying there and taking a quarterback. And, yes, it seems like the prevailing wisdom is that that quarterback will be Zach Wilson from BYU. KJZ talking with Dan Graziano. All right, I think you could tell by my first question, Dan, that I always have trust issues. My reporter background always makes me feel like I don't believe That's anything okay. you're telling me. Not you personally. I'm talking about team executives no, at no, this I time got of you. year. I got you. So I, I don't believe any we of We understand this. each other. But, but, with, but with that in mind, if they are locked in on Zach Wilson, that obviously means Sam Darnold now has to move on. There's got to be a team out there that then would would look at him and say, that's a fit for us. We want this guy. And, you know, one suggestion would be the Chicago Bears. Where would be the best fit for Sam Darnold if the Jets are ready to move on from him? Yeah, the Bears make sense. I mean, look, Houston, we don't know what's going to happen down there, obviously. The Patriots would make sense if they weren't in the same division. The Jets aren't going to trade him no. there. Uh, but, look, at the way teams – look at Sam Darnold right now as a potential acquisition is as a guy to add to your mix who has talent and maybe you can you can get something out of him but I don't think that when the Jets are calling around about Sam Darnold they are hearing from teams yeah we want to bring that guy in and make him our starter and that means teams aren't going to want to pay the price that the Jets want to get for Sam Darnold at this point and that's why it hasn't happened yet and might not happen for a little while if you if you're the Jets and you can't get what you think is fair value for Sam Darnold, then it might not be the worst idea in the world to hold on to him and see if there's a situation that develops somewhere in training camp with another team that makes him more attractive, more valuable as a potential trade chip. So right now the Jets are in a position where 
They've had talks with, uh, with teams about Sam Darnold. They haven't heard what they want to hear in terms of what the return might be. See, uh, that's why I trust you, because that makes total sense, what you just said there. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate you as always. You got it, guys. All right, that's Dan Graziano on the Goodyear Hotline, brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. So back to the NBA we go. So the league is searching for the next guy, right? That Who is the next guy to take the torch from LeBron James? It might just be that guy that we believed it was going to be all along, right? A name that begins with Z. We'll get to that next. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Taking a charge, let alone picking him off off the ground, helping him up. Uh, That guy is very, very strong, strong as an ox. Blob for the rim, Zion grabs and flushes. He's a phenomenal player, phenomenal talent. This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Morning. And good morning to you, KJZ, ESPN Radio. Good morning. I've been throwing out the number in a bit. See you with the shoulders, Jay. Yeah. That's how you know CC. Jay is really feeling the rejoin music. Yeah. When he gets the shoulders going. Oh, yeah. Not not that yeah. little snap when thing he does, yeah, but when he hit. gets the shoulders going. You would think he's a capper with all that shoulder movement. <laughs> no. You would think <laughs> he's a capper. I'm not a capper. You would not think a... he's a capper. Are you a capper? Find new pie. Oh, Lord. Come on, man. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay. Go, ahead, go ahead and come on home, I'm Jay. No, no. Whenever you're ready to come on home. Nope. Whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready. Chris Kenny, Allen Hardy with Jay Will. Just for the record, I'm not a capper either. Are you a Delta Sig? Are you surprised? Are you a Delta Sig? Not really surprised. You should be like a Delta Sig. I can see you as a Delta Sig. Sigma. Let's leave that alone. (laughs) Go Animal House on you right now. In the NBA, we have talked about who's going to have, like who you pass the torch to with LeBron James still being one of the best players in the world. Still, um, you know, he was an MVP candidate before the injury, but LeBron is still LeBron, and the league is still—he is still the face of the league. But there's always that, all right? Who's going to be next? And we weren't sure who was going to be. But then again, we really were, because Zion Williamson has been that guy since his first, since the ball tipped off at Duke in his first season, in his only season, his rookie season, his freshman year. And then we've been waiting for him to emerge as that next guy, and that might be happening right now. I remember Not when. Not might. Yeah. Okay. Not it might. is happening. Okay. I remember when Shaquille O'Neal came on the scene we watched him in college and it was it was a joke how physically strong he was and he just dominated the college game 
But then he got – who was the other guy on that team? Was it Stanley Roberts, right, on the LSU team? There was another seven-footer on that team, and they both were insane. But then he gets to the pro level, and what he did as a 22-year-old against grown men in the pros, like him going up against Elijah Wan and Ewing and some of the big, well-known, established centers, it was something we'd never seen before with his just his ability to dominate the game physically and yet also have the athleticism he had. And it was a marvel that first couple of years watching Shaq. And you thought, we'll never see anything like this again in the sport. Well, maybe we are seeing it again in Zion, but maybe we're seeing it in a different way. So he is now, after putting up 25 points in a win over the Celtics, and we'll talk about the Celtics later because they're a problem, the Pelicans win 115-90 last night. And Zion now, it was his 24th straight game with 20 points at least, shooting 50% from the field. It's one shy of, yeah, Shaq's uh, record for longest streak in NBA history, that according to Elias. So when we discuss Shaq and his dominance, we discuss Zion and what he's doing right now. The difference is Zion's game is different than Shaq's. Oh, it's power, but from a different position. And earlier this week, Rick Carlisle, after Zion dominated the Mavericks, Rick Carlisle had this to say, this observation about Zion. He is just creating collisions out there. And this is a Shaquille O'Neal type force of nature with, uh, you know, com- with, a, with a point guard skill set. Shaq in a point guard skill set. Zion Williamson is going to start attracting big time superstars to New Orleans. He's the biggest unstoppable force there is in the league right now because of the position in which he's being played. He's a Shaq in a point guard position, right? He's last 10 games averaging 29, shooting 68% from the field. And shame on us for going on national TV and national radio talking about LaMelo Ball. And I love LaMelo Ball being the next face of the NBA. I've said it multiple times. I'm not talking about social media superstar. I'm talking about NBA star. The best player in the game has typically been the face of the NBA. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. The numbers that, look, that Zion Williamson is putting up right now is trending in that direction. I'm not going to be this guy. Jay, you're just caught in the moment. You're hyped because of the position he's being played at. Let's play a game. Let's talk about I'm going to ask you who the bigger NBA star is, and I want you to tell me your answer. Let's go through the top 10 or top 15 players in the league. LeBron James, Zion Williamson, LeBron James, right? Yes. Bigger right. star. Okay. Kevin Durant, bigger star, yeah. right? Giannis. Zion Williamson. I, that's a push. Woo! That's you have to start thinking about it. It is, isn't it? You have to start thinking about it. sorry. I still think Giannis, but you have to start thinking about it. Yes. You're going star, and that includes everything, everything. about the player. I, I think it's a push. It's, okay, it's, yeah, Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry, Steph, I think, is bigger Steph, than Steph, Zion. Yeah. Okay, James Harden. James. James Harden. James, James Harden. Yeah. I would agree. Kawhi Leonard. Mm, push. I, well, I, push. I think Kawhi just because he's won, better, he might be he's a won two championships. Two finals MVPs. But, yeah. but, again, star is a different but word But it makes you now. start thinking, right, correct? Keep going. Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I want to give the edge to Zion. This is an uncomfortable conversation, I want to give the edge to Zion. I started thinking about it last night. Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic. Got it correct. Well I done. said it. actually well done. enunciated it. Yeah. I, I Again, because Luka really has made that, that you know, uh, he evolved into a star as well. Yeah. It was in the, it was I an think, MVP conversation. Yeah, I last still put year. them together. What he did in the yeah. bubble was dynamic, and Zion was not great in the bubble. So I'll I'll put Luca in that in that category. Jokic, 
Uh, Zion's Zion. bigger star. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dame. I think Dame is Dame. bigger. Dame, yeah, Dame, Dame is yeah. bigger. Bradley Beal. Oh, Zion. Zion. I, Kyrie Irving. Zion is more likable. He's so more likable. So, here, here, Chris, here's, here's what's happening right now. That's that matters. Here's what's happening right now. I didn't say notorious. We're I said talking star. about name recognition, yeah. a name that you automatically know right away. You're like, man, Zion is like, he might be top and seven. Look what in Jay, the you're talking about all NBA performers. Yeah. Yes. You're talking about all NBA performers and outside of the top four or five guys in the NBA, it being a close call whether or not Zion is a bigger star. And the problem is the numbers are starting to match the yes. recognition. The numbers are starting to match the recognition. And last year, people want to say, well, you know, he, he didn't live up to expectations. He was injured twice last year. I mean, we had a season, you know, on and off with the pandemic, all these other things happening. This year, he's fully healthy. Look at the numbers. Conditioning. And look at the time in which he's story, doing Jay. it. If he remains healthy, shame on us. Because we have LaMelo Ball. Zion Williamson is the heir apparent to the face of the NBA. But, Jay, is it really shame on us or is it shame on the Pelicans for not realizing earlier in his career that Zion would be better served being this point forward guy and being a primary ball handler rather than forcing him into this role as being your power forward? I give credit to the Pelicans. They got rid of their head coach. They Alvin Gentry, bye-bye. Stan Van Gundy, come on in here. Now, look. Stan, there are the questions. I think they should be better than what they were. But that switch for him, utilizing Zion as a point guard, I give him a standing applaud for that. Yeah, it took a little bit, but he had to also be in the condition for it. It did take him a minute to get himself right condition-wise. And maybe we're seeing an evolution of a player. Crazy when you do that drill. Oh, oh, that's a fun one. And we want you to join the conversation. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Great is in for a trade that wasn't even made. We'll explain that next. KJZ, ESPN and the ESPN app.